0: 28, we first must be faithful in our own personal lives. We ourselves must know where we are to walk day in and day out. This might be why the missions movement in America has suffered greatly in regards to the church sending out fewer and fewer missionaries and being less and less involved in missions outside of just dumping money into projects. It's probably because the church has stopped caring about the holiness of its members. It has stopped caring about how its people walk day in and day out. Well, as long as the big picture is being happened by other people besides me, what does it matter how I walk? Because it matters. If you are like Rahab, if you are faithful, you will walk faithfully day in, day out. So let us consider this morning where God wants each of us to go. So the the first place I want us to look at is 1 Corinthians 6.18. Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin any person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. That's a clear direction. Sexual immorality is right here. I am to flee from sexual immorality. Right? You are to go the other direction. You're not to tolerate it. You're not to welcome it. You're not supposed to lock it up in a cage and keep it by you. You are to flee from sexual immorality. And this is any kind of sexual immorality, not just the hot topic issues of today like homosexuality or transgenderism. It's all of it, any type of sexual, any type of lust that you might harbor, not just lust that you act on, but the lust that you might harbor in your heart or mind towards another person who is not your spouse. If you're a man, that would be a, a, a woman under the, the, in the context of marriage. If you're a woman, it's, it's a man. So in any other context, when sexual immorality, when lust creeps into your heart, you are to flee it. And that's true for any sin, right? It's not just sexual immorality or, or anything that may lead you from God. If your job, certain dreams, you've got aspirations, your family, sports, if you have anything in your life that is seeking to lead you from God, you need to flee it. Paul tells us this later in 1 Corinthians 10.14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. So idolatry covers sexual immorality, but it covers anything else that would have your hearts be be distracted or be pulled by something other than God's desire for you. You are to flee it. Again, it's not walk away slowly from it. It's, It's not to tolerate it. It's not to keep it in your closet, hidden away, collecting dust. It's to flee it. It's to distance yourself. It's, it's, it's to flee Egypt. But not only are we called to flee or told to flee from sexual immorality, idolatry, and all kinds of sin, right? God tells us to flee, but God also tells us to where we are to flee, where we are to go. Here, what Paul writes in 1 Timothy six eleven, but as for you, Second Timothy, and to us today, O man of God, flee these things, right? He just got done talking about a list of sins. And he's like, you need to flee these things. You need to flee them, and you are to go in this direction. This is what you should pursue. Instead of dealing with these things, you are to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Essentially, we are to pursue Christ. This is who he is. That's the direction we need to go. If that's not the direction we're going, we're not actually fleeing idolatry. We're just fleeing to another form of idolatry, another sin, another trap. You can give up one addiction, but if you have an addictive personality, that addiction can transfer over into a, another one. Right Elsewhere in Timothy, Paul says that we, we've been given a spirit of power and self-control. And, and we'll be given that thing so that we and not one of fear, but so that we can control our lives and be disciplined people who pursue the right things and flee from the right things. These words of Paul also lead us to how we are to walk to where we are walking. In the very next verse, in verse 12 of First Timothy 6, Paul says, Fight the good fate, fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and about which you made a conf- good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, take hold of your identity. Flee the worldly identity that has been given to you, the identity that leads to sin, just like Rahab did. Give up that identity and take hold of the new one, just like Moses did. Give up royalty, give up the fleeting pleasures of of Egypt's wealth, of Egypt's sins, and take hold of Christ. This is what we need to do. And notice how he says this about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This is what we do with baptism. This is why baptism is important. It's not just something that we do on the side. like It's a nice thing to do. No, one, it's commanded, right? We just ran the Great Commission. But two, baptism helps you to remember who you are. It helps you to remember that you are cleansed, not by your work, but by the work of Christ, by his blood, by his death. And as such, just as he was resurrected, you are united through his death and baptism. That's what Romans 6 is about. You're united with him, and you are raised in a new power with, by the same power to new life. Right? It was Romans 6, 4. So when we talk about baptism, when you get baptized and you wonder, who am I? How can I do this? How can I flee this sin? Because it's not who you are anymore but I, I love sex, I love porn, I, I love to lie, I, I love food, I love to be a glutton, I love to be lazy, I love to be a narcissist. I, I just love those likes on social media. I, I love it when people follow me and they click on their heart and they subscribe to my channel. And I love doing things that, that, that get people to, to do those things. I just can't give it up. Yes, you can, because it's not who you are. If you are saved you, and you've been baptized, you can look to your baptism and go, that's right. My, my flesh still struggles against my spirit, but I know who I am. I remember the day I was, I remember the confession I made in front of the witnesses, in front of the church, who affirmed my faith in Christ. This isn't me. And so you flee it. You're not marked by that. And you might be thinking, well, I, I just committed the sin, so maybe it is still me. No. right? The blood of Christ purifies you. Rahab was a prostitute. We don't know when the last time she did her prostitute thing before she... The point is, that doesn't keep you from it. The blood of Christ cleanses you forever. It is sufficient. You can't unclean yourself from the blood of Christ. This is about identity. And so we do this by submitting to the word of God in time of need. James, in chapter 4, verse 7, writes, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So think about this. This is like it's like the Red Sea. First, it's the Israelites fleeing from the Egyptians, but they submitted to God. Well, then after a while, all of a sudden, it's the Egyptians fleeing from the Israelites. It's the same. We are called to flee from sin. We're called to flee from temptation. And when we submit to God in this, the tables eventually get turned, and the devil fleeing from you. But do not miss this. Don't miss that key word at the start of verse 7. Submit. I know we hate the word submit. Americans don't like submit. I'm my own king. I'm a king of my own castle. I'm a full grown man. I get to do what I want. Well, now if you're a believer, you you don't. You're a slave to Christ. Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 13 says, No temptation is overtaking you that's not common to man. There's no exception there. There's nothing unique about your struggle with sin or your temptations that come into your life. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. In other words, whatever situation you find yourself in, God's not going back going, oh, didn't plan for this one, or I hope he has enough to make it through. No, he's fully aware. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, He will provide the way of escape. He parted the Red Sea. He didn't push Israel into the sea. He parted the Red Sea, told them to go forward. What did they have to do? They had to submit to the word, and they actually had to walk through the Red Sea. So when you find yourself in a time of temptation, and God provides a way out, you must be willing to go that route. You must be willing to walk on the ground that was once covered with water. You must be willing to take the time and energy that God's asking you to expend in order to escape the Egyptians. You might be thinking, boy, the other shoreline, that's, that's a distance. This is going to take some time. This has got to be another way. I'd rather not do this. It's a lot of energy, a lot of effort. <coughs> you need to trust that he will provide not only the way for you, but the strength that you need to do so and trusting that he will provide the promised outcome. But even when we have this will, this desire to submit to his word, when we are taking captive every thought and making obedience to, obedient to Christ, as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians ten five, doing this is not always easy. And it won't be. It's not meant to be easy. Right? If we're called to trust in Christ, we need a reason to trust on him. If we're called to depend on him, we need a reason to depend on him. Yes, we can look out at the Red Sea. We can see and hear and feel the strong east wind causing the water to part. We can see the dry dry ground before us. We can know that God has said, hey, walk this way. And we go, boy, the evidence is there. The path is open. That's the way to go. But what happens once we start walking? Will the wind hold? How long will that wind last? It's kind of odd for a strong wind to come up in the east at night's. Will we actually survive? Will we make it? What if I don't walk fast enough? What if, what if the group leaves me behind? What if I hurt myself? Or what if, what if, what if? We could keep going on and on. See, it's one thing to see it and believe it. It's another to trust it. But that is faith. That's the very definition of faith. That, that's what we're called to do. It's what the author started with at the start of this chapter. And since this is faith, this is how we are called to walk because we walk by faith. We live by faith. So when God provides a way, we must get off the couch and do what is necessary. We must take the steps, regardless of how many steps they may be, regardless of how long they might take us, we must do what is necessary to get from one shoreline to the next. We must spend the energy, we must prepare to be exhausted if necessary. And ideally, as Paul calls this in Philippians 2, like, the example of Christ is that he was obedient to the point of death. That, that's what we're called to do, ideally. And, and for some, perhaps, faithful martyrs, they have actually had a moment like that. Point is, just because it's hard does not mean that it's not the will of God. right? We need to get that American mentality out of our heads and that Western world conditioning that if it's not easy and quick, it must be wrong. Or if it doesn't feel good, it must be wrong. If the word of God says it, it is right. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of how much effort it takes, we need to do it. We need to be willing to suffer the reproach of Christ. There is a reason Jesus speaks so strongly about the cost of being his disciple, the cost of entering the kingdom, the cost of believing in him, because it is hard. You cannot come to Christ and stay as you are. That's not the point of coming to Christ. People don't go to Christ, unless they believe in a false Christ, to go to him and go, I get to stay who I am. They go to Christ because they recognize the need for Christ. They recognize that they can't be holy as he is holy without Christ, so they go to Christ so that Christ can make them holy. When churches baptize people who are transgender or gay and tell them God loves you and affirms you for who you are just as you are, that's heresy. That's a lie. They should not be pastors. They most certainly are not churches of God. And we ought to speak truth into that. Because all it is is leading people to hell. Do we not love our neighbor? If we love our neighbor, we will speak the truth. The truth is in the word. It's not like we're making this up. Just read the scripture. Just read the gospels. Like I remember preaching through Matthew. I had a few people accuse me of being too hard. I'm like, well, is that the plain understanding of the text? Yes, it is. Well, then what do you want me to do? Well, don't preach it well, why would I not preach it? it? It makes us uncomfortable. We don't like it. Like, I can't do that. If I'm to be faithful, I know America doesn't like it, but it's not just America. It's, it's humanity. Sinners don't like it, right? If we're honest, it's sinners. They don't like the word of God. We must not shrink back. We must proclaim it faithfully, but being a disciple of Christ is not, we, we like to think it's easy, but it's not. It's It's hard. Jesus is very clear. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Hate your mother, father, sister, brother, come after me. Consider the cost before you come after me. We need to be faithful. Think of John 5 and I think it's John 6, right? Jesus gets done talking about, hey, if you don't eat my flesh, drink my blood, you can't can't be my disciple, You, you can't follow after me. And many of his disciples were like, that's a hard teaching. We don't like this and they left him. So Jesus turns to the 12 and goes, are you guys going to leave too? And what does Peter say? Peter's like, where, look, it, it doesn't matter if this is hard or not. Where, where else can we go? You have the words of life. And, and that's how we need to respond. He has the words of life. It, 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 it's, where are you going to go? Back to Egypt? Back into bondage? Back to the fleeting pleasures of sin? And that's where most people go. Don't go there. The faithful don't go there. The faithful go forward into the Red Sea. We must do what is necessary. If you go back, do not think that deliverance is there for you. It's why we have Hebrews 11. It's why we have the letter. It's why we have the many warnings in Hebrews. If you think you can go back to the old covenant, if you think you can go back to your old life or Any other way other than Christ, nothing but judgment awaits you there. And you will find yourself walled up in Jericho with no escape if you think you can resist the will of God for your life. But again, remember this, that those who walked on dry ground through the Red Sea and those who walked around Jericho and in the eyes of the world they looked like fools, you need to remember They did not do so alone. It wasn't one guy that walked around Jericho. They didn't do shifts. It wasn't one person who walked across the sea. It was a body. It was a community. It was the people of God. So today, we must also walk in community with the people of God, with one another. We must walk hand in hand, one encouraging voice to another. Let me just think about it. I'm sure there are families on that coastline telling their kids, trust Yahweh. Trust him. Let us go forward. Telling the parents, trust Yahweh. I'm scared. So am I. But that's his word. Let's go forward. We'll do this together. That's what we are called to do. We must do this so we're not hesitant. We must do this so we don't stray. I mean, how many kids were probably going over to the wall of water and Probably wanting to touch it. Nope, don't touch it. Stand, don't go, don't turn your left to your right. Keep going straight. We need to do this so that we may together persevere to the end. No one makes it to the end on their own. If you come into the kingdom, you make it to the kingdom with the people of God. So let us do this together so that we may receive the promised reward that God, who is faithful, has promised to those. Who are faithful and we do all of this by looking to the author and perfecter of our faith jesus christ this is where the author of hebrews gets to at the start of hebrews 12. it's where we will be in three weeks christ is the one we pursue if we desire righteousness godliness faith love steadfastness and gentleness christ first 1 corinthians 1 30 is our wisdom sanctification he is our redemption See, there is no other way, there is no other path, there is no other gate that one can use to enter into his kingdom. It is only by our good Lord and shepherd that we can enter into the kingdom and receive eternal life. And it's only by him that we can receive the faith that is necessary that will guide us along the path that will lead us to the end of all things into glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your grace, your mercies, your compassion. We thank you that you are patient with us. We thank you that you have spoken, that you have given us instruction, that you have preserved your teaching to us. We thank you that your teaching is harmonious from Genesis to Revelation. We thank you that even though the way ahead of us is hard, You have given us what we need to walk the path before us. Help us to be faithful to walk that path. Help us to to reap the joy that walking such a a path brings about, that that we would know the joy and peace that having everlasting life brings, and and the joy and peace of knowing your son and his sufferings. What what that brings, it's, it's one thing to teach it. It's another thing to know it and to understand it. So give us all a, a spirit, a, a desire of submission and, and obedience to your word. Um, help us to seek the fruits of such labor. Bless us with much fruit when we do labor. Don't, don't leave us um, out and, and missing out on, on, on the promises, Father, but include us, feed us. May we as a, a, as a body keep one another in prayer through sickness, um, through pain, but also through uh, the joys and the blessings of this life. Father, help us to speak love and truth to one another, first within the, in the body so that we would be built up, that we wouldn't be tossed to and fro, but also to, to those who don't know you yet, Father, to help us to speak your truth, your, your love, your grace to, to a world that desperately needs it, to a world that is blind to its depravity. We ask that your spirit would go before us knowing that your son has already gone before us and that he is with us now and he will be with us then. Open up the hearts. Make people be born again. May they come to to know you. May your name be proclaimed. May you be glorified through all of this. Bring a revival about in this nation, Father. May we be faithful to do what is necessary in order for that to happen. Father, we would ask this morning, especially as we come to the table, that you would bless the elements, that you would bless the the bread and the cup. We ask that your spirit would convict us of our sins, that that you would forgive us for our sins, that we would confess our sins to you, that we would be made aware of ignorant sins, and that we would seek repentance from it. And as we come to the table and receive the elements, may we go away from here being reminded of who we are in light of the work of your Son. And may we live faithfully in light of that truth, Father. Father, we thank you for all these things and the many things that are unspoken. And we ask all of these things, Father, for your glory, by the power of the Spirit, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So at this time we'll go into uh, communion. Um, if you are a believer, is not walking in unrepentant sin. That is, there's not a a, a sin that you're holding on to, a, a sin that you're like, no, I like that sin, I, I don't want to give it up, or it's too hard to give up. If if you're in that situation, abstain from the table. Um, don't don't profess that um, you have repented of all your sins when indeed you you haven't. Um, if, if that is a situation abstain. Um, and, and let's talk. Let's talk about that. Let's get you to a place to where you can receive the table with a clear conscience um, and not bringing judgment upon yourself. Uh, So if confess your sins as needed, come to uh, the table, grab the elements, and then Brandon will lead us in taking uh, communion uh, together. And then we'll close in a few songs of praise.